Hello everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Gaming in the Wild, a video games podcast about games from the artistic, creative side of the tracks, from indie to AAA. My name's John, I'm your host. I am recording on Saturday the 10th of February, out in Reykjavik, Iceland as always. Hope you're all well. Um, if I don't sound well, it's because I haven't been actually, so if my voice is a little hoarse, it's because I've been down with some kind of not-Covid flu for all of this week. So I've been lying around, sleeping a lot, eating some soup. But this this also coincided, funnily enough, with the um, the week of Steam Next Fest. If you aren't familiar with Steam Next Fest, it's when lots of developers who have games that are approaching completion or are fit to show will put demos on Steam. Thousands of demos um, appear on Steam all at once, and we can download them for free. We can try them out. Um, it's a really interesting time. People that are in Steam Next Fest that are playing the games are all posting and sharing what they have found, sharing their finds that they have uncovered, talking about the big hitters. You can see which games on Steam have been the most downloaded, which is interesting. You can see concurrent players. You can watch people streaming. Um, I've had a good time watching various people streaming Steam games as well. Um, so I've got lots of interesting games to talk about. Uh, many of them are first tastes of games that I was quite excited about for this year. So it's been really fun going hands-on with loads of exciting indie games. I've played almost 20 different games. Um, I have a top five that are the, the best of the fest. And so this episode is going to be me running through all of the games that I tried at Steam Next Fest this year and then telling you about the uh, the top five games that I played during that time. So there's a lot to get through, but before we do, um, allow me to say this is a patron-supported show, so if you are a first-time listener who likes what you hear today, or a long-term listener who listens to the show every week, you can support this podcast for a dollar a month at patreon.com slash gaminginthewild, um, and you get extra episodes, you get an invitation to our Discord community, uh, where we've all been sharing all the games that we've been playing. I picked up a few recommendations from there. It's a really fun time, and I use all the money that I get from Patreon to upgrade equipment, buy games, buy music, and make the podcast sound better, host the website, all of that kind of stuff. So it's patreon.com slash gaminginthewild if you're interested in supporting the podcast. Um, and I would also like to say a big thank you to everyone that leaves a star rating for the show on Spotify, that shares it, that likes the YouTube video, um, that leaves a review on Apple Podcasts, all of that stuff is great as well. So thanks very much to everyone who does that. And with all of that said, let's move on and get into it. We've got a lot of games to talk about today. So let's talk about some of these great indie games that I've been playing as part of the 2024 Steam Next Fest. The first game that I'm going to talk about is one that I mentioned in the Indie Look Ahead episode at the start of this year. It is an absolutely beautiful looking game, um, and the soundtrack is just stunning. We're listening to it right now. It's by Rap Vader, um, and when I heard this soundtrack, I just couldn't believe how good it is. It's symphonic, it's ambient, it's just beautiful. It turns out that it's by Rap Vader, the composer who did the soundtrack for The Gunk, a Game Pass game that was really distinguished partly by the quality of the soundtrack. So Rap Vader is on the way to becoming one of those game composers who is on the very, very top level with people like Scientific, Disaster Peace, and Austin Wintory and Lena Rain. I really do think that Rat Vader does incredible work, and it really does bring this game to life, um, especially paired with the, the psychedelic visuals this game has. Um, but what is 
Ultros is a psychedelic sci-fi metroidvania that takes place upon a mysterious labyrinthine living ship. Um, so you're running around rooms, you're opening ways forward, you're getting new abilities to reach previously unavailable places, um, you're fighting enemies, and as you go, you're meeting NPCs, you're wandering through a maze, battling bosses, powering up, um, getting to the next save point, all of that kind of thing. So we, we know and love Metroidvania games, um, and there have been quite a lot of them lately. There's been a bit of a resurgence of Metroidvanias lately, such as the Prince of Persia Lost Crown that everyone's been playing. Um, but playing Ultros, it is the first one that I've played since probably Hollow Knight, uh, where I've thought, this world is just so special that I want to be in every room, I want to find every space, I want to read every piece of lore. Um, the the colour in this game is unbelievable. It's just a treat for the eyes. It lights my brain up looking at this game. It really does. It's like a psychedelic stained glass window in motion. It's very fleshy when you kill animals you harvest their parts you eat them you use them to open up your mind so it's definitely got a psychedelic strand to it that when you do open up your mind that is the cortex um, which is the skill tree in this game um, and i think this is just something special it has audiovisual splendor um, the hand-drawn foliage and decorations the beautifully cluttered world with vfx everywhere it's eye-popping it's enticing it's vivid um, and it's also functional. There are shimmer effects that are applied to things that your eye is supposed to go to, such as ways forward, collectibles, NPCs. Um, so even in this massive visual stimulus, your eye does gravitate to what you need to see. Um, I would say the combat is also very good. It has a varied moveset that opens up quickly. Um, and it has a very clever way of incentivizing you to use your moveset. If you kill an enemy using just one move repeatedly, the pickup is damaged because it's not a clean kill. If you use different moves, three different moves in one kill, you will get a perfect variety pop-up and an undamaged pickup. So you are incentivized to really use every tool in your arsenal in combat. As I said, the pickups are organic matter that can be consumed both for health and to open the cortex. Um, and the game has a really interesting story. It's a perfect demo. There is some kind of vast ritual taking place in this living ship. You are an interloper. We don't really know who you are, but you will meet priests, NPCs, shades and spirits, creatures who will start to fill you in on what's happening. And I think that there is just a clarity of vision on display in this game and a crispness of execution and just a sheer scale of the imagination that has gone into this thing. Um, this is a game that is just ready. It is bug-free, slick, ready to go. This is a really distinctive new game. Um, so it was a really great first demo to pick up in Steam Next Fest. It's coming out in just a couple of days, so you can get your hands on it too. That's Ultros. And the next game I have to talk about is one that you may have seen around. It's been featured in a couple directs. It is Pepper Grinder. Um, this is a pixel art platform game in which you drill through the ground. So you can run around, you can jump, you can do normal things, but you carry a big drill, like a big conical drill that your little character holds in front of them. And if they jump into the earth and you pull one of the triggers, you will drill into the earth very, very quickly. Um, and you can arc through the earth. You may have seen this mechanic in Ori. It is uh, part of the Ori games. But here that mechanic has been worked up into a whole game. So you shoot through the earth in a smooth arcing motion. Um, you can collect gems. You can bop enemies and drill enemies. Um, you can boost so you can jump out of the soil 
and try and get to another piece of soil. So you're platforming, you're swimming through the ground and drilling through the earth, avoiding hazards like thorns, veins of rock, um, enemies, collecting gems that are buried in the dirt, acrobatically boosting from spot to spot. Um, and it feels just amazing to do. I, th I thought this game looked very impressive, um, but I really wanted to get my hands on it to get a feel for the gameplay. I think that's all important for this game. Um, and the good news is it feels amazing. Um, it seems to have been worked out very well. It feels very intuitive to do. Um, and very importantly, I think, if you fail or fall, if you fall out of the earth, if you fail a jump, it's always easy to get going again. If you die, then you just respawn at the, the back of the last obstacle, I think, or nearby at least, good checkpoints. I mean, if you drop to Earth, it's very easy to leap, to drill into the Earth and to try again. There is a Mario World-style overworld, um, so you can wander around from level to level, you can retry them, there are optional collectibles, so you can try and get perfect on every level if you want to. Um, it all feels very, very simple. It's deceptively simple, I would say, and deceptively breezy. Um, for a game like this with such fluid motion-based gameplay, which I think means a lot of small decisions have been made right along the way. Um, there are three levels in the demo, and they introduce plenty of variety and wrinkles in the gameplay as well, um, such as digging enemies that can chase you or circle you whilst underground, such as beehives that spit out bugs until you've destroyed the hive, uh, buried bombs that you have to navigate around because your drill will trigger them and damage you, um, puzzle sections with one-way flipping doors that you have to figure out a sequence of events to get through to the next area. So plenty of variety from the outset in this game. Um, it's a lightweight one, it's a small one, but I would say it's wildly fun to be honest. I had a great time with it. The music is good, it's bright, colourful, fun to play. Um, I think it will sustain interest with new mechanics based on what we saw in those three opening levels. Um, I'll be playing the full version of this one for sure. That's Pepper Grinder. And next up, we have another one that I've been very excited to play. This is the roguelike driving game, Pacific Drive. Pacific Drive is one that I've been looking forward to as well. We saw a trailer for it, I believe, in a Sony state of play. Um, and after that, people have had eyes on it. It's been pretty hotly anticipated. It's sitting near the top of the most played demos at NextFest. Um, this is the driving game where you drive a cool old station wagon um, through a, a weird area where something has gone very wrong called the Olympic Exclusion Zone. It has an X-Files vibe, an Area 54 kind of vibe. Um, it's a wooded, evacuated, midwestern tract of land. Some strange government experiment has gone wrong here, and as a result, there are paranormal events occurring. Uh, visual, temporal, and gravitational anomalies and glitches. You have to use your car, drive around, find spots, find places, try and find survivors, and just try and escape and untangle the mystery of what is going on. Um, it's a first-person game, and you start in the zone, cruising along through worsening weather. The driving feels okay, I would say. Um, I can imagine that the handling might improve as you power up your car, which is a big part of the game. Um, and in the, the demo, things get medium weird after a couple of minutes of driving. You're taking in the landscape, you're taking in the, uh, the wooded mountains, the mega structures all around you. Things get a little bit weird, um, you black out, the car is sucked into some kind of energy field, when you wake up, someone is speaking to you on a shortwave radio. Um, you cannot speak back to them, but they are talking to you. They are saying someone is out there, glad that there's a survivor. 
um, and they give you directions to a garage, a safe harbor. And so you get in the car, drive through some more craziness, and then get to the garage, which is going to be the hub of the game. Um, so there are two aspects to this game. One of them is the driving, which, as I've said, feels okay, um, but looks amazing. Um, it was really fun driving and just looking at the environment. Uh, but when you pull up in the car workshop, you are introduced to the second main spoke of this game, and that is car upkeep, car improvement, uh, repairs, powering up, um, attaching new devices to your car to help you in the next run. And this this has always been something that I was quite drawn to in the, the footage that we've seen. Um, but playing it, I have to say, um, the demo took a bit of a turn here. It's a lot more in-depth than I had thought. And I really don't like the way it was tutorialized. Um, suddenly, after that short burst of driving, you are thrown into a very, very, very long tutorial that is guiding you through multiple nesting menus through a very complicated codex that is just teeming with stuff, um, through foraging for materials and resources, for combining resources to make other resources that you can then use on the car. Um, and that went on for a good 20 minutes, half an hour. And honestly, I mean, as I said, I've been playing with a bit of flu, so my concentration wasn't tip-top, but I found myself really, really bored quite quickly with this. Um, I never actually got back on the road again. I just tinkered around the workshop, um, trying to power up the car, trying to repair panels with glue that I had made from glass or whatever, and feeling a little lost in it all. Um, so you really don't get driving again for quite a while in this game. Um, and this is the actual start of the game, so... This is the tutorial that you will play when you play Pacific Drive. Um, it's got some UI issues. The menus are just kind of intense. Um, the font is really small. You can pin items to a to-do list. There are tons of different resources, reams and reams and reams of shit to read in the codex, and a pretty intimidating amount of tools, components to craft. Um, you get a tool which is a grinder that you can use to grind down other cars for resources, but even the grinder... Um, depreciates over time. Um, so you'll have to remake your grinder, repair your grinder. So grinder is no joke. I mean, you're going to be grinding in this game. You're going to be grinding to fix your grinder so that you can grind out more stuff. Um, and I felt a little disorientated and a little disappointed by that aspect of the game, actually. Um, I didn't realize it was going to be such a grindy experience. And um, I don't think that this material is quite what we needed from the demo. Um, so I ended up bailing on this one. I wanted to drive. I wanted to see more. And there was just a lot of busy work in my way. A little bit of a red flag. Um, I will say that I was playing on the ROG Ally, my handheld PC, my only Windows device on which I played all of the demos that I'm going to talk about. Um, so that did influence why the text was mega small. I was looking at it on a small, I think, 7, 8-inch screen, something like that. Um, so I'm definitely going to give this game a second try on PS5 um, on a big 4K screen. Uh, when I'm feeling a little better, I did get a code for it, and that is in now. So it's waiting to be tried now that Steamfest is over. Um, and I'm hoping for the best. I am optimistic for this game, um, but the demo itself was a little bit of a thumbs down for me. Um, but luckily enough, there are loads of demos to try, so I moved on pretty quickly from that one. Um, and the next game is a real winner, actually. It's a little game that I was perhaps not expecting to like as much as I did. It's a cute little exploration and creature taming game called Flock. <laughs> Oh, 
And Flock is a game by Hollow Ponds, the makers of I Am Dead and Wilmot's Warehouse indie games you may have heard of. They were quite well regarded when they came out. And I've seen a little visual demo of this one. It caught my eye. I mean, it's very pretty to look at. You will glide around in this game. You are riding on the back of a bird. Um, you will meet creatures. You'll fly around in 3D space. And I am always up for a game where you get to feel free in a 3D space, move fluidly. It makes me really happy with responsive controls, fun things to see, fun things to do. Um, and there have been a few games that tried it. I think of Jet the Far Shore. I think of Falconeer. I think of XO1, uh, games where you just fly as the main mechanic all fun in different ways, all flawed in different ways. Um, and funnily enough, they all take themselves very seriously. Um, and Flock does not do that. It's a very cute game that maxes out the good vibes, the mellow, accessible gameplay, um, and really puts the fun first. Um, it's basically a 3D exploration game with colourful graphics, lovely music. Um, at the start, you make your own cartoony character, give them a hat, scarf, cloak, whatever you like. Um, Customise your giant bird that you're going to be riding. And then you fly to an island shrouded in fog where you meet your aunt and uncle. They are wildlife surveyors and they request your help. What they're trying to do is categorize and catalog all of the different animals that are around this island. And there are a couple of fun gameplay mechanics that you use to do that. First of all, you have to observe them, their color, their shape, their behavior, then answer a question about them to get them into the codex. If you find the right kind of whistle, you can imitate their call and tame them, and then they will fly around with you. At the start of the game, you can have six little friends that fly around behind you, and it's just really, really fun, very satisfying. You put a smile on my face to just be flying around the island with all of these little friends. You can swap them in and out. Um, there's other mechanics too, like you'll find these grassy mounds and you have to bring a sheep there to eat the grass away and reveal secrets. Um, there are characters that you'll meet who have side quests. Um, and I had really, really good fun with this one. Um, I think the progression was good too. We got to see it in the demo. So when you complete a map area, the clouds will lower to reveal more landmass, more creatures and more characters. Um, I really just really didn't want this demo to end. It's one of the few that I would happily have played the whole game right there. Just a gorgeous little game. Um, the final form of this one will support multiplayer, so you can fly around with friends in-game. I think up to four friends can be in the same game, which sounds like a lot of fun. Um, so that's a big thumbs up from me on Flock. Um, and the next one that I have is another cute, colourful, childlike one um, from the Moomins, from the world of the Moomins. It is Snuffkin, Melody of Moomin Valley. <laughs> This one is by Hyper Games, a company I haven't heard of before, but who have made six quite interesting looking games. Um, this is their first licensed one, I think. It's a top-down puzzle adventure with a really beautiful hand-drawn art style set in the world of the Moomins. Um, and for those who don't know, Moomins is a Finnish children's cartoon. Um, I think it was made back in the 70s, maybe? I'm not sure if I'm right on that. Uh, by Tove Janssen. Um, the Moomins are absolutely huge in Europe. Imagine it's like a where the wild things are kind of thing in vibes. Um, the Moomins are like these moon-faced hippo creatures um, who deal with eccentric interlopers, natural disasters, oddball creatures who come out of the woods and wander through their valley. Um, it has a lot of the darkness of old European fairy tales that I really, really like. Um, as a kid, there was a puppet show about the Moomins that just used to fascinate me. It was like the strangest, darkest thing on television, um, and I was really into it. Um, so check it out. If you if you are not familiar with Moomins, especially if you have children, uh, please do find some Moomins books. Um, I feel like they were chaotic and strange in a way that really opened my mind up as a kid. A little door opened in my mind. Um, but anyway, this game is based on Moomins. 
Um, Snufkin is one of the characters from the Moomin's world. He's a little Huckleberry Finn-style wily traveller with a little bit of a sort of child Gandalf vibe as well. And Snufkin returns to Moomin Valley after a trip and he finds that the valley has been taken over by some kind of authoritarian weirdos. Um, This being the Moomin's, they are not like seven-legged alien spiders that are going to eat your brains. They are actually just policemen who have decided to enforce a lot of rules. You start finding signs everywhere for things like no smelling the flowers, no looking at the view, no camping, no fires. And Snufkin is outraged and starts pulling up the signs. If you pull up all the signs in the areas, then the local cop will uh, leave. So you have to tear up signs and basically uh, fuck with the system until all the cops go away. Um, There are other mechanics in the game too. You can get inspiration from looking at nature, which you can then use to play music that affects the world around you, like making uh, creatures respond to you and open paths forward. You can pick up rocks and throw them into streams to make stepping stones. You can drag logs to make bridges. Um, It's very simple, it's very pleasant, lots of moomin charm. Um, Perhaps a little over-simple, I would say. It perhaps feels like a game that is... Um, directed at children, which does make sense, although Moomin's being at the age it is um, as a universe, um, I imagine that many Moomin's fans like me are a little older, but it was still a delight. Um, It also had some music by Sigurros, uh, which was a surprise to me, Um, but Moomin's are huge here in Iceland, honestly. They they are one of the biggest um, kids' properties. You see see, like Moomin cups and merch everywhere. Moomin's are really big here, so it doesn't surprise me that Sigurros are sentimental for the Moomins and lent their music to the game. It does look and sound beautiful. It has this watercolour style, papercraft style. Really, really pleasant. I played with a smile on my face. A really nice one. That is Snufkin, Melody of Moomin Valley. And the next one that I have here is an interesting one. We saw it at the Game Awards. It's called Zao, Tales of Kanzira. It is an action platformer with a Metroidvania feel to it. It has very slick combat, very, very slick visuals. It's a nice looking 2.5D game so you're running side to side it's basically horizontal uh, movement but you will see the world behind you sliding by with 3d perspective so it feels deep and rich it's set in africa this one so it has a bit of a different flavor to other action platformers that we've seen lately Um, and it has some nice mechanics too so as a little shaman guy we run through an interesting world it's filled with mythology and magic and depths and heights Um, The world seems to come to life very nicely. Um, It looks absolutely great. The combat is cool. Um, I think my favourite thing in this one was that you can switch between two aspects. So you have a sun aspect and a moon aspect. The sun aspect gives you fiery melee abilities, and the moon aspect gives you arrows. And you get special abilities connected to your aspects as well, such as in the moon you can shoot out a special beam that will freeze water so that you can wall jump up it, freeze enemies so you can get a few hits in. Um, Very cool, very seamless. It felt natural right away. Um, And this is a Metroidvania where you start with good abilities. So you start with air juggling, you start with wall jump, you start with a double jump. Um, It was really fun to air dash through waterfalls and to see the African lore coming to life. Um, But I will say that gameplay-wise, this one felt eerily similar to Prince of Persia The Lost Crown, to the point where it almost feels like the same game. It does have a little more depth in the lore. The developer has said that it's inspired by the loss of their father, and it is indeed an Orpheus and Eurydice kind of story about dealing with the god of death to try and get back a loved one. Um, But the story was, even with that context, tonally similar to Prince of Persia. I found myself speeding through dialogue. 
Um, and it's a game in which you play a powerful young hero with magic abilities who goes on a quest, basically. I played for half an hour, felt like I'd seen enough before the end of the demo. Um, it's a very respectable game, and I think if you liked Prince of Persia The Lost Crown, and if you want more of the same, if you want a snappy, um, slick, modern Metroidvania or action platformer, um, you will find what you are after in Zhao Tales of Kanzira. And the next game that I have here is one that I mentioned last week, but I think it wouldn't be right to talk about Next Fest without talking about this game. It's a little personal favourite of mine called Beastie Ball. And Beastie Ball is another game that I had seen something of, but was not expecting to like quite as much as I do. And I really do like this game. Um, it's a little bit of a spin on Pokemon, but in a much more creative way than something like Palworld, I would say. Um, it feels quite original in its way. It's a top-down view with paper-crafty, bright, cartoony art. It's from the developers of Chicory. Um, and in this game, it's a world of Beastie Ball, and you are just a, a kid hanging around in your local village. You're a big fan of the sport of Beastie Ball, where little creatures will play a ball game against each other that's a lot like volleyball. At the start of the game, your local Beastie Reserve is threatened with demolition, and so you go on a quest to become the biggest Beastie Ball coach of them all and to stop that from happening. And what that means is that you do this little sort of top-down RPG world. You go around and talk to people, um, you learn how to play the sport of Beastie Ball, you can recruit little beasties to join your team, and then whenever you run up to a beast in the wild, it will flip to the main part of the game, which is the volleyball. You play on a court divided into eight squares, you can move your little guys around, it's turn-based, you can volley to each other, you can attack, you can defend, you can use your special abilities to try and hit empty squares, get the ball past your opponent, or to hit them and reduce their HP to zero and win the match. Um, very engaging. Um, this short, sharp, strategic rounds of Beastie Ball were really, really fun. Um, I really enjoyed passing around, learning tricks, learning how to spike to my friend who then gets extra power on the ball when they hit it. Um, you power up your beasts quickly and they unlock new special abilities. Um, it seems really good. It's a very short demo. I wished it was longer. Um, I didn't want it to end. I squeezed every piece of juice out of this demo. Even found a little special area that you can jump to at the end there. Um, they tell you the demo, demo is over several times. If you try to exit the map in different directions, they're like, nope, demo's over. Nope, it's really over. And then at the very end, they're like, now it's seriously, it's over. <laughs> and so I think that they probably knew people were going to be into this one. Um, really good little game. One of the best of the fest. That is Beastie Ball. I also wanted to give a little shout out to a game called Summer House. Um, this is a very chill, mellow game. You're looking at a landscape that's beautifully stylized, it's bright, there are trees blowing in the breeze, there is tides and mountains and clouds. And it starts off empty, and you use modules to build a cabin, to build a summer house. You start off with walls, roofs, windows, and then you start to build out your cabin. It's very chill, there's no time limit, there's no pressure. You can build out different shapes, you can choose the wall texture that you want, you can choose what style of windows do you want. Do you want concrete bunker-esque windows or do you want very picturesque windows with railings and plants? You can add sheds or conservatories, aircon boxes and signs, window boxes, lampposts and washing lines. Um, and I had a really good fun, fun time tinkering with it. Um, it's very relaxing, simple and fun. 
Um, I would say that after 20 minutes or so, I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. A little bit like something like um, Townscaper, if you've seen that one. More like a digital toy than a game with progression. Um, but in the trailer, it does show you um, popping achievements, unlocking new areas, unlocking new pieces to build different kinds of cabins. Um, so I think that this game is going to live or die, basically, on how the progression works. Is it um, compelling? Are you wanting to do certain challenges to unlock certain achievements to get more pieces to keep building more summer houses? I think, at the very least, it is fun to play with for um, 20 minutes, half an hour, but I would really like it if there was enough game in the game to make me come back to it. Um, so that was Summer House, and that one is out soon, I believe. Um, I've got three more mini-reviews that I want to talk about here. Um, one of them is a game that took me a little by surprise. Um, it's a top-down black-and-white adventure with an, a nice monochrome style, a sort of cartoon spookiness, and it is called Haunty. Um, and this was a really cute little game, actually. You land in, in, I guess, purgatory at the start of the game. You fall down into purgatory. You play a little black squiggly ghost with a little hooked hood. Um, you don't seem to remember who you are. You don't really seem to be able to speak or how you died, where you are. But you meet some ghosts who will guide you through how things are down here in purgatory. Um, and it seems that you're on a quest to be reunited with someone that you knew in life. And we learn that in the, the very start, in the intro of the game. Um, and to do so, we're going to have to move through some really interesting sections of game. This is quite a generous demo, um, and I really enjoyed how much gameplay and how much area we were allowed to play. Um, you follow lights through mazy areas. They are linear, but they also branch. Um, and on the way, you collect memories that are little glimpses at your former life. You use your soul energy, which is on a cooldown, um, to shoot, kind of like a twin stick mechanic. You can use that to take out little nasty enemies, to light torches, um, to solve puzzles, um, to pop big mushrooms, to get resources. Um, and there is also a haunting mechanic, where you can haunt inanimate objects, such as haunting a pillar and making it fall so that you can use it as a bridge, haunting a ladybird so that you can fly between trees and reach high places. Um, it's very stylish. It feels great to play. It's very slick, very fun. Another demo that I didn't want to end. I was really sold on this one. A um, couple of small critiques on it, though. I did find that the base walk speed was a little slow. You know when your uh, walk speed in a game is a little slow, so you just end up dashing all the time? Um, it was that, basically. You just end up dashing through the game. It doesn't feel good. I'd say put the base run speed up a little and let the dash matter. Use it sparingly so it doesn't feel like you are rushing, you know? I would also say that when you are in ladybird form, sometimes you're so high that you can't really see um, where you are in the 3D space. I kept floating past things I was trying to collect and that sort of thing. So maybe some kind of indicator of where you are in 3D space. But all in all, I was very, very impressed with this one. This was a big hit with me, and I will definitely play more of it when it releases. That is Haunty. Another mellow and kind of interesting one that I tried was called Botany Manor. This is a game in which you begin in a greenhouse. It's first person, a beautifully rendered greenhouse. The visual style reminded me of something like Maquette or perhaps The Witness, um, a stylized 3D world. Um, the greenhouse is full of smog. You can find notes dotted around the place. You can find books. You can find plant pots and seeds. 
Um, and you have to piece together your objective, which is to find the right conditions to plant a seed, water it, get the temperature right, um, and grow the plant, which will then suck up all of the smog um, and allow you to move on to the next area. So it's a puzzle game um, where you have to use gardening to try and get through to the next objective. Um, I found this one really, really fun. There are only two areas that you get to try in the game. The first is the greenhouse, which is just gorgeous to look at. It has this Victorian Kew Gardens kind of feel to it. After that, you get to walk through to the main house. Many, many locked doors that um, I assume will open throughout the game. Um, that is the manor of Botany Manor. There's a second puzzle where you have to simulate lightning to try and make a seed grow, which was very, very fun to do. I uh, really enjoyed that one. Very, very mellow. Very fun time. I think I will be picking that one up. That's Botany Manor. One more game to talk about in the reviews, and then I'm going to do a little speed round at the end. Uh, but the last game in this section is called Crypt Custodian. Um, this is a game that I had not heard anyone talking about and hadn't seen anything of, but it has been racing up the ratings in NextFest itself, so it is a hit of the festival. Um, and it's a lovely little game. It's like a 2D Zelda-like um, with illustrated graphics, um, lovely mellow music, a cute story. Uh, again, it's about um, someone who lands in the, after in the underworld, the afterlife, and has to figure out what's going on. In this one, you play as a cat who died um, and is made janitor of the underworld by a suspect-seeming overseer who doesn't seem to like sending anyone to heaven. Um, so you will meet other people in the underworlds who have also been banished down here. Um, and there is a pleasant variety of things to do right off the bat in this game. You'll meet NPCs who will fill you in on how things work in the underworld. There are dungeons to play through. Um, there are puzzles to solve. There are little combat arenas that you get locked into. Very satisfying moveset, I would say. There is a jump attack, a dash attack, um, a little combo. Um, you can power them up pretty quickly. Um, it all looks, sounds, and plays great. I would say, visually, it reminds me of The Wild at Heart, if you've played that one. A very, very nice-looking game. Um, Gameplay-wise, it reminds me of Death's Door, uh, which is a big compliment, and I think a lot of people will perk their ears up when they hear that. Um, I really loved it. I liked the detail. I liked the animation. Uh, the gameplay felt intuitive and polished. Slick, bug-free, seemingly ready to go. A lovely little game. That is Crypt Custodian. Um, and that brings us to the end of the reviews, but there are a couple more games that I wanted to talk through. Um, there are a couple that I tried to play, but that I couldn't get into because of either performance on the ROG Ally or compatibility. Uh, one of them was Harold Halibut, the uh, much-anticipated claymation adventure game, um, which just wouldn't run on the Ally. So that's a, a did-not-play from me. Um, there was lots of artifacting, lots of glitching, lots of uh, frame rate drops. It wasn't really playable. So I will hold out for the Game Pass release on that one. Um, I did also try Synergy. This is a game that I was really into trying, actually. It's a strategy game, which is not my usual genre, top-down, um, in which you are trying to build community and infrastructure in a desert with a desert-faring society. Um, it looks gorgeous. It has a sable-like visual style. Um, but as I quickly discovered, you need a keyboard for that one. Um, I have not got my keyboard and mouse all set up with the ally and the monitor and the hub and all of that stuff yet. Um, so I couldn't play more than a minute or two. Um, but I might try and set that up tonight because that does look like a really interesting game. That one's called Synergy. Um, I also tried a game called Taking Root, another game that was not gamepad compatible. Um, and so I just got marooned in the first room um, and I couldn't do anything. This one's a gardening game. 
looks kind of cute, um, but the first room itself, the graphic style looked a little bit, I don't know, a little bit rough, um, so I didn't persist with it very long. Um, so Taking Root is another did not play. Um, there were also a couple of games that I tried and didn't gel with exactly. Um, one of them was Arco, um, a promising looking pixel RPG. Um, I tried out the turn-based combat tutorial, um, but I struggled to get into it. You're supposed to, you're supposed to be backing away from enemies to avoid their attacks, um, and then you're supposed to land blows when they are about to strike, but having created distance between yourself and the enemy, um, I, I just couldn't grok it. I wasn't getting my head around it. Um, and there are so many other games to try. There are so many games to try in Steam Next Fest that I just, um, I bounced on Arco, but I didn't want to give it a full review because that was just me being impatient and having flu. I'm sure it's a good game. I also tried out Rotwood. Um, this is a very slick Cult of the Lamb, Nobody Saves the World style cartoony dungeon crawler. Um, and it is visually as polished as both of those games. Um, but the gameplay didn't didn't work for me. I found the movement speed to be frustratingly slow. I found the attacks to be a little sluggish and imprecise feeling. Um, so I did one run, and I thought, yeah, that's enough of that one. I think those two of the games just nail the gameplay um, on a level that Rotwood isn't doing. Um, and I also tried a game called Albatross, the last one that I'll mention here. It was a suggestion from Dovetail over in Discord, and I can see why. It does seem like a John game. Um, it's a road-tripping, hiking game where you drive around a world, a beautiful-looking world, I have to say, uh, with huge mountains in the background, just really, really big, like the God of War mountain, you know? It's like um, nature feels large in this game. Um, and then you have to also do some hiking, some talking to people, and that kind of thing. Um, it didn't run particularly well. It was glitching like crazy, even on low settings, and um, the difference between high and low on this game is profound. The low settings, it really does look quite rough. Um, I would say this is the, the maybe the shabbiest demo that I played. Um, there were lots of bugs, lots of glitches. Um, but that wasn't the biggest problem. The biggest problem that I had with this one was, um, although I was really into the driving, really into the environment, really into the idea of a hiking game, um, it's got a lot of story shoved down your throat from the start. So you have a a protagonist who talks about themselves a lot um, with really clunky dialogue about their life, um, which just turned me off. Um, I wasn't really into it. The type was too small to read. I had control issues. The controller sometimes wouldn't work. There was a bug where I tried to refill the car and then found it sticking out of the ground. Um, and apparently it takes 45 minutes of in-game time. You have to do a little time skip when you fuel the car. Um, having fueled a car, I can tell you it does not take 45 minutes. So I don't know why they would put that in there. Um, so lots of little things that were wrong with that one. Um, I like the um, the aim, I think, of Albatross to tell a story through road tripping and hiking and travel, uh, but perhaps not in practice. Um, so that's all of the games that I tried at Steam Next Fest, and I think it would be fun to just list off the top five. So I've made a little best of the fest top five here. Um, and in fifth place, it's not a game that I was honestly... It wasn't on my radar. I had seen, seen one video of it, um, and I, I just brushed it aside, but I tried it and was very impressed by it. It's Haunty. Um, if you haven't seen this one, it's H-A-U-N-T, so Haunt and then I-I, double I on the end. Um, very promising little game. Um, a really good, generous demo, straight onto the wish list. Haunty was a really good one. Number four, uh, Pepper Grinder. I think a lot of people um, have really enjoyed that one. We've been keeping a little spreadsheet over in Discord of um, the games that everyone is in the community has been trying. Um, we gave it a rating out of four, from bad to okay to good to excellent. Pepper Grinder, I think everyone 
um, gave it an excellent. So all of the people that played it were into that one. So it won the popular vote. Definitely one to watch. Number three, um, a game, another game that I'd seen a demo of and was not fully bought in on the concept of, but Flock. Um, I had such a nice time with Flock. It was such a mellow, lovely, warm gameplay experience. I really, really enjoyed that one. It's a creature collecting game as well. Just flying around with all your little creatures behind you um, was a genuine pleasure. Uh, number two, Beastie Ball. Another unexpected hit for me with a creature collecting aspect. Um, I really liked the volleyball. I guess I should have known. I mean, Chicory made my top five games of the year in the year that that came out. I think it was 2022. It was a really lovely game. The writing was good. The gameplay was on point. The art style was fun. Um, the whole thing just cohered really well. Um, and Beastie Ball is just the same. It's it's just high quality, really, really fun, really energetic, really enjoyable. Um, but the best of the fest for me it is the first game that I talked about in this episode. It is Ultros. Um, Ultros just leapt off the screen for me. Um, the visual style is just something else. The music is jaw-dropping. Um, I got goosebumps and the hairs on the back of my neck when I'm playing that game. The colour stimulus, the sharp gameplay, the intriguing, fleshy, strange alien world. Um, the imagination on display in Ultros, I think, puts a lot of other Metroidvanias to shame. It really is just a vision. So lots of good games on display this year. Really good selection of demos. I um, hope you enjoyed hearing about them all. That was the, the demo review of Steam Next Fest 2024. I hope you enjoyed that review. Um, really fun to play all those demos. I'm, I'm running out of voice now, so it's a good job that I didn't play anymore. I think it's time for me to go and lie down again, watch a bit of football, maybe play a few more demos. There are two more days of um, Next Fest to go. If you are listening to this on the day that it came out, you still have Saturday evening and Sunday if you would like to try out some of those demos yourself. Um, and if you found any demos that I didn't talk about today, I would love to hear from you. You can find me on social media as Gaming in the Wild. You can email me at johnisgaminginthewild at gmail.com um, and you can get in touch in all sorts of different ways. I will also say, this is episode 199, so next week is episode 200. Um, if you would like to send me a question about games, about podcasting, about tech, about journalism about working in games, about life in Iceland, about any of that stuff, other culture, music, film, books, please do so, and I will answer them all on next week. I'm doing an Ask Me Anything episode just to celebrate 200. Um, a really good milestone for the podcast. Um, and with that said, thank you very much for listening. Thanks for being here. I'll be back next week with that Ask Me Anything episode. Take care of yourselves and each other, and bye-bye for now.